You are listening to the podcast of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. CBMW exists to promote the Bible's teaching on men, women, and marriage. Learn more at cbmw.org. The Nashville Statement is a confessional document released by CBMW in 2017. Since its release, the Nashville Statement has been signed by over 25,000 evangelical pastors, scholars, and leaders, as well as adopted and affirmed by evangelical churches and institutions across the world. In this podcast series, we are walking through each of the 14 articles of the Nashville Statement as we discuss the statement's biblical basis and ethical implications with Denny, who is one of the statement's principal authors. Today, we are tackling Article 6. I'm Colin Smothers, Executive Director of CBMW. And my name is Denny Burke. I'm the President of CBMW. Article 6 reads this way. We affirm that those born with a physical disorder of sex development are created in the image of God and have dignity and worth equal to all other image bearers. They are acknowledged by our Lord Jesus in his words about eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, end quote. With all others, they are welcome as faithful followers of Jesus Christ and should embrace their biological sex insofar as it may be known. We deny that, amb- that ambiguities related to a person's biological sex render one incapable of living a fruitful life in joyful obedience to Christ. That is probably the longest of the Nashville Statement articles. I think so. And we're trying to cover a lot in there because we're talking about people who have an intersex condition. So in Article 6, we, we mention a person with a physical disorder of sex development. Um, sometimes uh, people don't uh, like that term because they don't like the term disorder, and so they'll say a physical difference of sex development. But what they're referring to is the many ways that a person's uh, sexual development can go off from the very beginning of their conception. And um, the, the word intersex is referring to the family of conditions. So it's not one thing. There are lots of different conditions a person can have that would lead to a sexual um, disordering in their body. But intersex is an umbrella term referring to all of those conditions. So you have Turner syndrome, Kleinfelder syndrome, um, you know, any number of, of different things here. Uh, I say Turner syndrome. Actually, the Turner syndrome people don't like being classified under uh, the the label intersex. But sometimes people do put Turner syndrome there. Um, What we're trying to say, though, is that what do we think about those folks? Because I mean, we just spent, you know, several previous podcast episodes talking about that God's will is revealed in his special creation of male and female bodies. But what do you do when that revelation has been marred because of a brokenness in the body itself. You know, for most people, when they're born, the doctor or the mother and father can just look at the child's anatomy and say, oh, it's a boy or it's a girl. But with a certain portion of the population, a very small portion, um, there's you can't do that because there's been a physical disorder of, of sex development. And so what you'll see is that a lot of activists have seized upon this to say, look, um, we have male, female, and a lot of varieties in between. Sex is a spectrum. It's not a binary. And the reason we know it's a spectrum is because of intersex people. And so intersex people who are experiencing in their bodies a very difficult condition have turned into a kind of political propaganda football for activists in the LGBTQ revolution because they want to show that sex is not binary. And they are looking at 
intersex people to show that sex is not binary. In now, fact, the acronym LGBTQIA, that I is what intersex stands for, right? Or That's correct. And so they have been caught up in this. And, and many of them, like I mentioned, mentioned the, uh, the national, uh, I forgot the name of the organization, but there's a national organization for Turner Syndrome and, in advocacy. And th- those folks don't like to be considered uh, an, an intersex. They don't want to be you know, caught up in that because they're, they're actually clearly female. I mean, anybody with Turner syndrome is clearly female and it's not ambiguous in the way that some of the, uh, you know, propagandists would like to suggest. Uh, But in, in any case, what we're trying to say is that there are people born with disorders of sexual development that make them infertile and make it difficult to tell whether or not they're male or female just by looking. Uh, and so that's that's the issue there. Now, unfortunately, there was a treatment protocol that was pioneered back in the 20th century by a physician named John Money, which uh, treated these people uh, as infants. So the doctor and the, uh, according to this protocol, the doctor and the parents would decide on a gender for the child. And then the, the doctor would reshape the child's genitals through surgery as an infant to try to make them look normal. And they would just make a decision based on what they had to work with in terms of um, tissue. And if you had enough there to make a male, they would do that. If enough there to make a female, they would they would do that. And then they would tell the parents, just raise the child to be uh, whatever we've chosen and then don't offer any kind of ambiguity or lack of confidence in that. Because the idea was, is that gender was just a social construct. Your child will just be whatever you teach them to be. The problem with that is that a lot of them grew up to feel themselves to be something different than what their parents and physician chose. And the reason was because they were operating off a faulty construct. They were operating off of this idea that your body isn't essentially anything. Uh, And your body doesn't essentially communicate anything about what, how you should view yourself. And so a lot of these children grew up and they're not transgender, right? That a lot of them are feeling themselves to be what, um, what, um, hidden indications there are actually point to what they actually are. So, um, so, so that's, that's kind of the issue there. Now, um, what are we supposed to make of this? Now, some people would say, well, what we should make of it is, is we should just think of sex as non-binary. It's a spectrum. Um, but that in Article 6, we're trying to deny that. We are trying to say, look, it, people with a physical disorder of sex development are created in the image of God. They have dignity and worth equal to all other image bearers. They are acknowledged by our Lord Jesus in his words from Matthew 19 about eunuchs. We'll talk about that in a second. And they are able to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ and should embrace their biological sex insofar as it may be known. Now, that last part is important because it does acknowledge that sex is a binary. So even people with a a physical uh, disorder of sex development, there are binary indicators that are still a part of their makeup, even if the disorder keeps you from being able to see it with the naked eye. Are the binary indicators, are we talking about like something genetic, the, the, the X and the Y or something additional to that? I know you have a a whole chapter on this on, in your book, what is the meaning of sex, but what are those biological underlying realities? 
yeah, in my book, what is the meaning of sex? I made the case that, um, you know, a lot of these intersex conditions, they, they are a consequence of maybe a hormonal in, uh, abnormality or, um, a chromosomal abnormality. The chromosomal abnormalities are the ones that are really, um, you know, difficult, but your chromosomes, your sex chromosomes are what, you know, direct your body's development sexually. And they're like the roadmap for sexual development. And so if there's a chromosomal problem, the, the development goes off course for a normal male, for a normal female, she has an XX sex chromosomes. A normal male is going to have XY. The Y chromosome comes from the father. And, um, if the default setting for any human being is going to be XX, but if the father, you know, basically contributes a Y chromosome, you're going to have a male, but sometimes the Y chromosome can be broken. Like the SRY gene can be broken and it won't function properly. And so you'll just develop according to the X, which will make a person look female, even though they are chromosomally male. Uh, and sometimes you'll have people who have XXYY or XXY, okay? And if you have XXY, you're going to have a lot of feminine characteristics, uh, but you're going to be your infertile, okay? Um, so so this, this is the issue with, with this. So what, how do you, what do you make of that? Now, what I argued in, in my book was that you shouldn't ignore the, the chromosomal abnormalities um, because even a person who's XXY, there is a Y chromosome, right? The presence of the Y chromosome is what indicate, what signals for male development. And that way it's almost encoding in the chromosomes. There is a binary there. There's an X yes. or a Y. You don't have some other third letter or third chromosome. That's right. Some reality that, that would indicate one way or another, but it is just X or Y. And you're saying presence or absence of Y would indicate male or female. Yeah. Any endocrinologist is going to tell you that the Y is what triggers masculine development. And so anything can, a number of different things can happen to keep the Y chromosome from being able to do that. So if, if, the, if the chromosome itself is broken or if there's a, a problem with androgen receptors or anything that would keep it from working properly or having its proper effect, that will be fixed in the new creation. <laughs> so if you've got, you'll ha your Y chromosome will do its job. Hmm. And so that's why I'm saying now it would be appropriate to think of yourself in terms of your what the chromosomal indicators are. Now, um, Abigail Favale, I think, has put a finer point on all of this. When she talks about how you can tell the difference between male and female, she, she sort of narrows it down to who can produce small and large gametes. I know we're doing a biology lesson here, but <laughs> this is all helpful. This is all God's natural revelation, right? We're, we're just reading God's natural revelation. And, you know, she will argue that if the only person who can produce large gametes, eggs, are women. Their body's organized for reproducing as mothers, and so they can produce eggs. Uh, a man can reproduce as a father, he, so he produces small gametes, sperm. And what you'll notice is that nobody who is lacking um, a, a, a Y chromosome can produce small gametes, sperm. Mm -hmm. Nobody. And nobody who, is, um, who has a Y chromosome can produce... Um, eggs. So, so even there, uh, even there, no matter what kind of structures development uh, develop with, within inside uh, a person who's intersex, because sometimes you'll have 
a person with a uterus, but they're chromosomally not a female. And they're unable to produce um, eggs, even though they may have something that looks like a, a, a uterus. Um, you still see a binary there. So it, it's written deep, and it's, it's not something that you can necessarily see with your eyes, but it's still there. So what I'm trying to say, the theological point that I would say about all this biologic, biological point that we're making is that um, people with intersex conditions aren't evidence that there's no sexual binary. They're evidence that of how create how broken creation is. They're not testifying to a third gender or a third reality. That's correct. But even as you said about the gametes, there's a, a large and a small, a binary, an egg and a sperm, testifying throughout all creation. Exactly. Denny, you said uh, you mentioned this in the article. It says that Jesus knew about these conditions or these these intersex uh, situations where. In Matthew, it says eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. Can you explain that? You know, that's from Matthew 19, where Jesus is teaching about divorce, and the disciples were sort of nonplussed by Jesus saying that you can't, you know, divorces are wrong. And so the disciples say, well, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to get married. And Jesus says in verse 11, but he said to them, not all men can accept the statement, but only to those whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. He who is able to accept this, let him accept it. So Jesus is answering their issue. They're raising this sort of you know, nonplussed objection. Well, better not better to not be married. Jesus says, well, not everybody can do that. But yeah, that's a serious option that people need to consider according to God's gifting. But then he starts talking about these eunuchs. In the ancient world, a eunuch was a man who had been emasculated, had, had been physically castrated, so typically so that he could work in and around the king's harem. And so these guys were typically high, highly placed government officials. Highly trusted. So a eunuch was somebody who had been physically emasculated. But when you're physically emasculated, that means you can't reproduce. So you're no threat to the harem, right? Um, but so a eunuch was someone who couldn't reproduce. And there was some sort of disordering of their sexual um, uh, anatomy So to, to make that the case. So he says some people are made eunuchs by men. And he says some people, which, which would mean like these kings making these guys eunuchs. Uh, some people make themselves eunuchs. Now, I don't think he's actually being literal there. I think he's saying some people make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom, which means they're just going to forego marriage, forego sexual activity like a eunuch would. But then he says there are some people who are eunuchs from birth, which would seem to indicate that there are some people who from birth have some sort of disorder of sexual development. And that makes them look like they're coming out of the womb as a eunuch. Those people who are eunuchs from birth, I, I don't know how else to read this, except that somebody with a disorder of sex development, what we might call an intersex condition today. And Jesus doesn't treat these eunuchs. The Bible doesn't treat those eunuchs as if they're unsavable. Um, the Bible treats them as precious image bearers, even though there may be this ambiguity that in the third world or in the ancient world, they, they may not be able to get to the bottom of. They may not be able to see the chromosomal situation with their own eyes. They may have to trust the Lord, knowing that he's given them a gift, 
to be single. They may not be able to be married because, because of this. Um, but they can nevertheless be faithful disciples of Christ. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, just remember, who did Philip evangelize? Ethiopian eunuch. Yes, in Acts chapter 8. Um, he witnesses to this Ethiopian eunuch, and his eunuch status was no obstacle at all to his following Christ and, and becoming a Christian. So even though there are, we have neighbors who are dealing with these painful, horrible conditions that render them often infertile, perhaps unable to be married, um, they can still walk with Jesus and they can know Christ and be saved and be known by him. And we shouldn't allow them to be used as a political football in this greater sexual revolution agenda. No, we should, we should resist that. And um, as many of them are already doing. Exactly, because these ambiguities related to a person's biological sex, as it says in the denial, they do not render one incapable of living a fruitful life in joyful obedience to Christ, which is what we all are aiming to do. Amen. Resources like the CBMW podcast are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider giving at cbmw.org. Thanks for listening.